0: It's been, in an underlying way, the question of the summer for the local hockey franchise, and it's definitely going to be the question of the NHL season to come. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovaciewicz of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Over... The final couple days of this still uneventful week in the hockey world. And I have a feeling there's more to come, or less, as the case were. I'm gonna be looking at what we could slash should expect from both Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin on the ice in the year to come and what it is that they might need to do in order to adjust to their age. Now, they are, of course, very different players. I don't have to tell anybody listening to this show. the Same position and all that other stuff. But the adjustments that they'll have to make, and they both will, my goodness, they will not have much in common. But I'm going to start here with boots on the ground as it relates to Sid, And remind everybody that in the 2021-22 season, Sidney Patrick Crosby was still one heck of a great hockey player. 69 games, 31 goals, 53 assists. And his 84 points gave him an average of 1.22 points per game. That ranked 19th in the NHL. And while we're not used to hearing numbers like that, that 19th one, associated with Sid, you know, there is the age thing. And there's also, if you go back to the very beginning of the season, two different things threw Sid off the rails. One was that he was still coming off of that off-season wrist surgery. So it was plenty understandable that he'd get off to a slow start. Well, he comes back. He looks like he's flying and everything else. And then he gets shut down by COVID. Remember that? And it wasn't one of the good COVIDs. It really hit him. He's not exactly a complainer. And he made it clear that this was one that was difficult to bounce back from. Last November in Montreal on the night that he got his first goal of the season, and it was the easiest goal of his life, just tic-tac-toe between him, Jake Gensel, and Brian Russ, and they they pretty much just spoon-fed him. He told me that it was the hardest entry into a season that he'd had in his career. He was just not used to dealing with that level of adversity. So now take that into the context of how long it took him to get going. But then once he got going and once he began producing, his rate was pretty much what anyone else was doing around the NHL, not named Connor McDavid. Pretty remarkable stuff for any age and any circumstance. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across Western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how one dollar can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit PittsburghFoodBank.org. I gotta tell you, when I was a lot younger, I used to try to picture what Mario Lemieux would be like when he was older, and it was really difficult. Because Mario was the greatest one-on-one player. Mario's just the greatest everything that we've ever seen. But a lot of the more athletic things that he would do that would bring you out of your seat weren't the kind of things that were going to be easily replicated into his 30s. Of course, then he retires, and then he unretires. And when he comes back, he's a completely different player to be to his unending credit reinvented his game, became a gunner, became a low-goal-line, bad-angle gunner on top of that, picked teams apart on the power play with his unparalleled vision and all that other stuff. So he made a monstrous alteration to his game. Sid is, and he doesn't like this term, but I'm going to use it anyway, he is the greatest grinder we've ever seen. In hockey, no one has ever churned up and down an offensive zone the way number 87 has and continues to do. That's a heck of a trait to ask him to sustain. But knowing Sid, rather than try to do anything to adjust that aspect of what he does what he'll actually do is just dig deeper for conditioning purposes. You know that and I know that. He'll just work that much harder. As obsessive as he is with every little thing about um, his strength, his flexibility, his nutrition, he'll double down on it. Now, that doesn't mean that he won't add components to his game. Uh, He's actually done that throughout his career. You no doubt remember the stories of how he would spend one whole summer, even in his younger years, just working on one specific part of his game uh, or adding something like the deflections. Do you remember when he came back and just all of a sudden was just tipping, 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 everything going in? Remember the summer he spent just on face-offs? to become the best possible face-off guy he could be, he's absolutely going to be doing things like that. And you're going to see him add those, and you're going to say, wow, really? You're still getting better at some things at this age? But for his overall game, (sighs) my friends, just picture him crossing the opponent's blue line And doing something other than what he's done his whole career, which is having his line mates work with him in concert to make sure that that puck is still somehow staying in that zone. You're wearing the other team down, and then you move a little bit more, and you move into places that are a little closer to the net, and you create a really good scoring chance for yourself or for somebody else. That is Sid 5-on-5. And I don't think it's going to change. But I'm going to throw this one out there. There's one area of his game where he still has another level to reach. And I say this with immense respect and acknowledgement for what he's already done. And that is the power play. And if he were ever to find a permanent home, which is incredible. It hasn't really happened after all these years. With the man advantage... Maybe we'd see some other level. Maybe he could be the low goal line gunner, like 66 made himself out to be. Fun stuff, right? Come back, J1Q. mentioned on the last episode, the 5-on-5 scoring of the second line. He talked about Kasperi Kapanen's struggles, Jeff Carter's struggles. It really was the entire team, though, except the Crosby line over the second half. How much do you think that Evgeny Malkin should own the team's struggles? I hate to say it, but the team's problems corresponded with his return. I'm sure coming back from knee surgery and not having a contract played a role Uh, Chris, I'm going to answer this one, respecting your passion for the team as well as your opinion, but your facts are not going to match that. Um, (laughs) You see how hard I'm trying here (laughs) to be nice. There is a mythology that when Gino came back, everything got disrupted. The numbers don't support that not in any way shape or form. When Gino came back actually, if you can go back and check the calendar yourself, the team went on quite the roll. The team was doing very very well. Nobody was thrown out of sorts and in fact, Gino really was the one who got the power play to take off. And remember, power plays count like a lot and I understand and you're pointing out in your own question there that you're referring to five-on-five five scoring performance. However, the idea that Gino came along and disrupted the team is a general thing that is not accurate at all. Now, I could either sit down and watch, you know, about 18 consecutive hours of hockey film with you, which actually doesn't sound like a bad idea, or I could show you intensive analytical evidence to support the notion that what actually happened to Gino was that his wingers became complete goal sucks, okay? I mean, there's nothing that he could do to set them up because they just couldn't finish. There's nothing he could do to produce offense in those circumstances. Do you remember? I'm going to jog your memory here with something that's a little bit more recent. When Sid went down after the Jacob Truba assault in the playoffs, remember that? And remember that Gino was the obvious choice to go play between Jake and Rust. And he did. And guess what? Wow. All of a sudden it was five on five magic and Gino wasn't hurting anything. Why? He had wingers who were doing things, you know, they were doing actual winger things. And they were scoring and the line was like borderline unstoppable. It was a pretty impressive sight, and it was something that should have reminded everybody, you too, my friend, that this is still a heck of a hockey player. And this, in turn, is why I have spent so much of this offseason on this show, emphasizing again and again that what really has to happen here is that gino has got to have wingers who finish. No pun intended, but... The finish winger is the one who really, really needs to do it. That, of course, being Kasperi Kapanen. Gino and Kapanen, how many times did we hear it, especially after the previous season? Oh, they've got this chemistry. They got something going. And they did have a nice little stretch in the previous regular season. Remember that? Well, this past season, of course, was the one in which Kapanen just couldn't score at all. A lot of that was on him, and then by the time we got to playoffs and he actually started doing things right, the rest was on Igor Shesterkin. Can they create something out of that line? Whether it's Ricard Raquel or whether Raquel goes up with Sid and Rust moves down with Gino, whether it's Jason Zucker on the left, whether it's Danton Heinen over there, uh, maybe Kapitan does get a chance. Who knows? All I know is that somebody has to finish the chances that are created for them by playing with a generational talent like this. The facts, to kind of close out this argument and really this episode, the facts are that Gino remained a point-of-game performer, actually a little bit above that this past season. And as you note yourself, He was coming off knee surgery, which is not exactly a small thing. And he came back from it really strong. I mean, that stride, especially by the time playoffs came around, looked like old Gino at times. I appreciate the question. I do. I... I appreciate everybody who listens to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow, and it'll be about Gino's future.